Welcome to the Pasho Perspective, a place where I share my perspective on everything in the space between life and death. I'm your host, Pasho. Summer Sessions. Let's get started. Today, I was sitting in a barber's chair, getting my hair cut, having a really interesting conversation with my uh, stylist, Jay, and we were talking about how really everything changes when you start having children. You, uh, you start to be a little less self-centered. And you start to pay attention to the big picture. You know, you start paying attention to the rules of the game and the game in itself as opposed to just where you are on the board as a player. And it got me thinking that life, in order to really live a full life, one has to die three times. So let me explain. The first death, I would have to say, is when you get married. You know, you pretty much, when you're dating and prior to the dating scene, you should be realizing yourself, actualizing yourself, right? Like Bernard Shaw said, life is not about finding yourself. I mean, there you are, right? I mean, look in the mirror and you'll see where you are, but more about creating yourself, you know, and defining what you want and then becoming and getting the tools and the knowledge and the mentors and, you know, the the entourage or whatever else that you need, the armor perhaps to, you know, achieve that goal. And so I was thinking you have to die three times in order to really have that life. And so prior to dating and then even during the dating and courtingship and everything, you're still kind of living for yourself. You're still thinking, what do I want, right? What do I want to get out of this or what am I getting out of this? And it's pretty myopic. But once you get married, I think I've talked about this before in season one, but there are rituals that symbolize the, uh, the death that I'm referring to here. Uh, if it's an indoor uh, Catholic wedding, you might have something known as the three candles. Uh, one candle represents the groom, the other candle represents the bride, and then there is a much larger candle in the middle of the altar. And so at the beginning of the ceremony, both of the smaller, the bride and groom candles are turned on. And then as the ceremony progresses and the vows are taking and things are starting to get really serious and finalized... Uh, there is a segment then where the bride and groom will grab their respective candles and they will meet in the middle um, and they will light that candle using both flames. And then once that larger candle is lit, they blow out the other candle. And it kind of represents, you know, a, a new thing has been created here. The you of once was no longer exists. You are no longer a single man. You are now married. You are now yoked and tethered to someone else for hopefully the rest of your life, right? I mean, that should be the goal and aim of a marriage is to, you know, have your partner, your uh, Bonnie to your Clyde or vice versa for the rest of your life. And so in essence, that selfish you dies because now you're part of something better. Instead of the I and the me, you become something of a we, which is way better. And so in that sense, you die. The next time you die, as Jay and I were talking about, is when you have children. Because even that person was living for the relationship, was living for the couple. And in a sense, I mean, you're always living for yourself, right? These things are upgrades. They are level ups. They are not changing who you are. They are adding and making better what you are and who you are. 
And so when you get to the next level, which is then taking that beautiful relationship called marriage to having then children. And, you know, when you're married as a spouse, you still have your dreams, you know, and and if you really choose a good partner, they're not going to make you sacrifice your dreams. They're going to try to support you and lift you up and help you realize that dream. But when you have a kid, those dreams die. And they get replaced by something better. They get replaced by the dreams you have for your children. And I remember very succinctly on all three of my children's births, when I held them for the first time in my hands, I either whispered it or thought it in my heart and in my soul. But I said, I made a promise that I'm going to take care of you for the rest of my life. I'm going to love you and always make you feel loved and try to build you up so that you can also have an amazing and fulfilling life. And so in that regards, my my own personal dreams got replaced for the dreams that I had for my kids. And, and it still keeps me ambitious. It's not like I just gave up on all of my dreams and, and doing anything productive. I mean, by being productive, by being a beneficial member to society that contributes more than just taxes, but service and sense of community and mercy and grace and forgiveness and all those other things, you know, I can teach my child the way to live, you know? And so by me realizing, you know, some ambitions that I have, I am feeding that dream for my child so that he can see someone pursuing the dream and realizing it and knowing then that they too have to do the same thing. They have to find out what is their purpose and goals and ambitions and then how to chase after them and to achieve them, right? And so you die a second time because you give yourself up so that you can make room for your children, and that then becomes really your focus. And then the third time you die, I think, should sound pretty obvious, and that's when you actually die. And all of this talk, you know, about death kind of reminds me, uh, even William Shakespeare acknowledged this in the tragedy of Julius Caesar, where Calpurnia, his wife, is begging him to not go to the capital because she has had a few dreams where he has been assassinated and uh, the people who had killed him are smiling and bathing in his blood. And so she is, you know, begged him essentially to uh, to not go. And he does, for a moment, acquiesce to his wife's demands and says, for you, my darling, I will stay here, or something to that effect. You know, but before she's able to convince him, she brings up the fact that, you know, one of the signs that Caesar is given to avoid the Senate, uh, not only from the soothsayer who says, beware the Ides of March, but there was a storm also that night where she has her bad dreams. And Caesar says, well, you know, so what about a storm? The storm is for everybody as it is for me. And she says, no. When cowards die, the gods do nothing. But when champions die, they shake the earth. And so she's saying, Caesar, this is for you. And he says one of the greatest lines, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have it in front of me, but I, it just came to my mind as we were speaking. And he says, cowards die many times before their death. The valiant only taste of death but once. You know, and then I think what he means there is that every time you cower away, you know, it takes a piece of you. And so that person that you were, you were dies because you're a lesser version because of your fear and because of your inability to act. Uh, so it's not exactly, you know, link, linked up to what I'm saying here, but, you know, the actual death at the end, you know, the, when valiant die, they die when their death comes, you know, their actual death, not a, a euphemistic or metaphorical death. 
And so, I don't know, I was sitting in the chair in my barbershop, and I thought I would share those ideas with you, right, that you have to die three times. And there is one more thing in literature that came to my mind, and this was something that I thought of prior to the podcast, uh, but it is a fantastic poem that I used to do with my advanced literature kids, and it's by a man named Alastair Reed. Uh, I'm not really sure if he's alive or not, but if he is past, God rest his soul. Uh, but he has a wonderful poem called Curiosity. And I'm going to share it with you and kind of end it with that. And I hope you always have a wonderful weekend. Remember to smash that subscribe button uh, and share me with a friend if uh, you enjoy what you hear. All right, so it's called Curiosity. And, and I have to point out just before I start reading that there is instant enjambment, meaning that the line from the title in this case is going to go directly into the first line of the next stanza. Now, normally enjambment would be found between two stanzas where you would have one thought ending at one stanza, continuing on then to the beginning sentences of, excuse me, of the next stanza. And so here, Alastair Reed uses it with the title, all right? So just know it's called Curiosity, and then I'm going to get right into the poem. Curiosity may have killed the cat. More likely, the cat was just unlucky, or else curious to see what death was, having no cause to go on licking paws, or fathering litter on litter of kittens, predictably. Nevertheless, to be curious is dangerous enough. To distrust what is always said, what seems to ask odd questions, interfere in dreams, leave home, smell rats, have hunches, do not endear cats to those doggy circles where well-smelt baskets, suitable wives, good lunches are the order of things, and where prevails much wagging of incurious heads and tails. Face it, curiosity will not cause us to die, only lack of it will. Never to want to see the other side of the hill, or that improbable country where living is an idol, although a probable hell, would kill us all. Only the curious have, if they live, a tale worth telling at all. Dogs say cats love too much, are irresponsible, are changeable, marry too many wives, desert their children, chill all dinner tables with tales of their nine lives. Well, they are lucky. Let them be nine-lived and contradictory, curious enough to change, prepare to pay the cat price, which is to die and die again and again, each time with no less pain. A cat minority of one is all that can be counted on to tell the truth, and what cats have to tell on each return from hell is this, that dying is what the living do, that dying is what the loving do, and that dead dogs are those who do not know that dying is what to live each has to do. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Have a great weekend. God bless. God bless.